Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 174 of the Sustainable-ish podcast. It's great as ever to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, it probably can't have escaped your notice. This episode is going out on Black Friday. And unsurprisingly, as someone who is an advocate of buying less, making more thoughtful and considered buying choices, and buying secondhand, Black Friday and indeed the week or even month that it now seems to surround it, Uh, it's definitely no longer just a day, is it, Uh, is one of my least favourite days of the year. Don't get me wrong, if there's something that you genuinely need, if there's something that you've been on the lookout for and a Black Friday deal makes it affordable for you or it saves you some hard-earned cash, then absolutely go for it. However, Black Friday is kind of the poster child isn't it for our modern consumer obsessed society and its sole aim seems to be encouraging excessive and unnecessary consumption just for the sake of it sometimes. Plus it turns out there was a report in which that 98% of Black Friday deals aren't all they're cracked up to be and that the product in question will probably be the same price or less after Black Friday. Plus, although Black Friday sales might seem like a welcome boost for small independent businesses, actually many of them really struggle to compete with the big brands on the discounts and really feel under pressure on and around Black Friday to provide deals um, that maybe they can't afford to and that really sort of strip their already stretched margins even further. Now, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably don't need me pointing all of this out. And as I said, if there's something you genuinely need and a Black Friday deal is making that thing more affordable, then of course take advantage of it. For everyone else though, if you're looking for ways to gently push back against the demands that we simply follow quietly along, obey the unwritten rules of our capitalist society and fulfil our only role that we're told we have within that society by consuming as much as we can, as often as we can, then you might want to check out either Buy Nothing Day and or Citizen Friday. I remember writing about Buy Nothing Day 10 years ago during our year Buying Nothing New, so it's been around for a little while, but it does certainly seem to be gaining momentum. The Buy Nothing Day website describes it as a 24-hour detox from consumerism and an opportunity for you to tune into the impact we have on the environment through shopping. People around the world will make a pact with themselves to take a break from consumption as a personal experiment or public statement and the best thing is it's free. You can simply consciously buy nothing or you can share the idea and the campaign with those around you to start some gentle conversations and to amplify your own choice. What do you reckon? The other thing that I wanted to share with you before today's interview is Citizen Friday. And this is a new, shiny new campaign this year, the brainchild of Gavin and Heather at Reaction Collective, who you might remember me chatting to in episode 168. So Reaction Collective is all about encouraging people to become citizens and not consumers. And for hashtag Citizen Friday, they want us to be citizening instead of shopping. Uh, And in their words, using our agency as humans to connect with each other. So Gavin, on, uh, I think this was on one of his LinkedIn posts, he said, Citizen Friday is about sharing skills, learning crafts, swapping items, building community and reconnecting with the natural world. It's about using the power of the individual for the collective good. How cool does that sound? 
And there are three elements to Citizen Citizen Friday. Uh, Share, repair and get out in the fresh air. And they all rhyme. I wonder if that was intentional. I really love this campaign. I love the idea of reclaiming a day that celebrates consumption and excess and more with a call to stop and to slow down and reconnect with ourselves, our communities and our incredibly beautiful world. Right, that is my obligatory Black Friday tirade over. (laughs) On with today's interview. And this week we are talking schools and climate action. I am chatting to Joe Pettifer, who is part of a growing team of climate action advisors from the climate charity Let's Go Zero, which is working to help schools in the UK to take climate action with the ambitious goal of becoming carbon zero by 2030. Joe shares in our chat that apparently around 45%, I think I've remembered that correctly, of UK households have a school-aged person within them, meaning that there's huge scope for schools to not only educate our young people about how the world around them is changing and why, um, but also inspiring them about the roles that they can play in transitioning to a greener, cleaner, fairer future. Schools additionally have a much wider influence on parents and carers and on their local communities. So there's huge scope and I think it's really exciting. There are a lot of resources out there for schools wanting to start to take climate action. I've linked in the show notes to episodes of the podcast that I've done with Eco Schools, with the Ministry of Eco Education and with Energy Sparks. And that really is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the brilliant resources and initiatives providing schools with the information that they need. What I love about this new project from Let's Go Zero with the Climate Action Advisors is that they very cleverly recognise that schools don't need more information. What they need is help putting that information into action in their particular setting. So the Climate Action Advisors are being rolled out across the country with the aim of being able to provide that much needed one-to-one support for school leaders and for sustainability leads to start to take action. So they're doing everything from helping them to figure out where they should start through to identifying funding sources and they're hopefully going to be able to help schools move from good intentions to a clear, well-structured plan and that all-important action. Even if you haven't got a school-aged child, I hope this one is still interesting. I would imagine that most of us know at least one person with a school-aged child. So flagging this to them, that this amazing support exists, could be really, really helpful. I will be back after this with this week's good news. But in the meantime, enjoy! Hi Jo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Amazing. Um, not a very, um, you know, unique or original first question, but can you let us know who you are, where you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, so I'm Jo, Jo Pettifer, and I work for Let's Go Zero, which is an incredible charity that is supporting schools to be zero carbon by 2030, which we know is a, as much a journey as it is a destination. But um, yeah, so I'm part of a team of currently six climate action advisors who are working across the east and west midlands and we go into schools or we speak with school leaders uh hear about where they are on their sustainability journey and where they where they hope to be and then we work out how best we can kind of align support and and get them the resources or the easy wins or the difficult wins whatever it is they need yeah yeah Yeah, so it's very exciting it is super exciting and we've had we've done a few episodes on 
um, sort of schools and sustainability and things. So we spoke to, um, I think we've done uh, like Ministry of Eco Education and uh, Paula from Energy Sparks and and loads and and part of the. I mean, there's lots of issues around sustainability in schools, I think, but almost I think one of the things is like there's so many amazing projects out there doing so much good stuff that I think if you if you're coming to this and you're thinking, where do we start? And then it's a bit like I always use the analogy and this, maybe this is just an analogy to me. But like if I go looking for towels and I go to a big John Lewis, there's too much choice. I'm too overwhelmed. And so I'll yeah. go away without any towels. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if I went to a, a like a little shop with a choice of three, I'd pick something. Um, so Absolutely. That overwhelm of having so much stuff. But you've um, sort of you're working with all of these organisations to try yes. and bring everything together. Is that right? Yeah, so Let's Go Zero is a, is a coalition group with exactly that, um, with incredible partners with the people that you just mentioned and World Wildlife Fund and, you know, the incredible people who for decades, some of them have been mm. doing this amazing work. And it's exactly that. It's cutting through the white noise and finding out exactly which of those a school needs, because every school is entirely different in where it is in its journey and what, what it needs next, Um if they were the same, we'd have solved the problem by yes. now, but they're not. <laughs> they're each completely different. Um, and let's go zero. We've got over 2,500 schools who have signed up to our um, to be part of the team that is expressing this desire to, to reach carbon zero. And it's been really useful to sort of go to the DFE and go to the policymakers and say, these are all the people that want to do this. Um and it is exactly that. It's so the, the the new wing of Let's Go Zero that I'm part of, like I said, is these climate action advisors. And um, we're having loads of really wonderful meetings, um, online meetings with schools at the moment, hearing back exactly where they are, the frustrations they have about what they what they need to do next. And for lots, it's about unlocking that funding. You know, lots lots of the things we need to do are going to cost money that schools don't have. So it's either difficulty getting hold of the funding the time to research all of these different mm. offers that you've talked about and then the expertise to know about which of those is is the right one for their mm. school we're, we're trained teachers or we're trained school leaders we're not retrofitters so it's kind of that's what the climate action advisors project aims to do really to provide that time provide that expertise and then make the make the links to sort of get people where they need to be so yeah it's super exciting so there's six of us at the moment in the east and the west midlands but this time next year there'll be 30 of us uh, across england so the project is 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 rolling out pace yeah um so from a school's perspective so you said i can't remember did you say two and a half thousand schools or yes um, and like, counting yeah so that's um nursery schools primary schools secondary schools anything right up to colleges yeah yeah <clears throat> and what like I have no idea how many schools are there in the in, or how many educational settings are there in the country is that have you got 10 percent? have you got 50 percent? like do you have you an idea of where you're at in terms of I should have an idea because I was talking to my team about it this morning and there was some numbers um which I'll have to go and research for you and I'll send you info and you can pop it on the, <laughs> on yeah, the yeah. podcast. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's a fraction that we represent at the moment. Um, and it's just a case of getting the word out there. I think um, my, um, my background before I joined Let's Go Zero. So I've only been here since July, but my background was in primary school. So I was a teaching assistant and then a teacher and then an assistant head and then sustainability coordinator for a, a trust of schools. Um. So I kind of I'm bringing that knowledge of, of, mm. of what 
our settings needed and then every time I speak to a new group of schools or a new leader it's finding out how how their settings are different and on what they need and it's trying to sort of piecing that big jigsaw together really. The schools have got so many different I guess um there's there's that whole always that thing of like the actions they can take to decarbonize their school site in terms of whether that's air source heat pumps or solar panels or whatever that might be and retrofitting and those sorts of things but like a huge potential sphere of influence over the pupils over the parent community over the staff like it just feels like there's so much potential there for schools like your role as the climate advisors is that very much around the nitty-gritty of the decarbonization or do you are you able to advise on that kind of engagement piece as well yeah all of the above so one stat I have just remembered while you're talking is that 45 percent of all households have got a school aged child in their home 45 45 percent so by working with schools let's go zero are kind of tapping into that and then it does ripple out from there so yes to your your school estates changes and the behavioral change of your pupils and your staff but then the behavioral change of the the parents and the families and then the wider community links and then the sort of education that we're educating people to be sustainable from Mm. the very sort of you know the the moment that we that they understand the world they're understanding how to look after the world so it's super super important so yeah we we um we sort of let's go zero we work along those kind of themes that you'll all be familiar with of energy waste food transport procurement curriculum um and we we sort of categorized all of the offer that's out there that each of these different incredible partners out there the, the the resources they can provide or the support they can provide into each of those areas and really it is just a case of having those one-to-one conversations to find out which pocket we need to start with because yeah. we need to do it all we need to do it all yesterday but that's overwhelming so it's a so we had a great chat with somebody this morning who um wants to focus on nature first they've got a small pocket of greenery in quite an urban setting and it's a really great place to start because it's it's immediately making it relevant to your community that this is what we're protecting this is what we're looking after and if we don't tackle the energy next or the yeah, transport yeah. to school next or the way we eat next then all of this is incre- incredibly vulnerable so that was a really interesting way other schools that maybe have got a bit more um trust support are able to dive straight into those trickier energy energy reduction um methods um but often that is harder for a, a kind of a a school in a smaller multi-academy mm. trust or a school with kind of you know just a physically smaller school so it is really tapping into all of those partners that doing those amazing things like solar for schools and energy sparks and and ministry of eco education you know they've they've got such great resources and it's yes, a case yes. of cutting through that that noise and and, and i think that one to one support that hand holding i think that is you cannot put a price on that like because so you know my background is um sort of in the veterinary profession and and so I'm working with a, a brilliant organization called Vet Sustain sort of really trying to sort of push the sustainability agenda within the profession and and get more practices on board doing stuff but that overwhelm you talk about is so real and it's really easy to go on webinars and read stuff and learn stuff and have all these lovely ideas and then when it actually comes comes down to it 
you're like, oh, and then, you know, maybe you can't get your senior leadership on board or you don't know where to access the funding or you. And so literally having somebody to say to you, don't worry, like we'll help you. We're <laughs> on this journey with you and we've got the resources and we can point you in the direction of the funding and the support. Like, I, I just think that must be that yeah. must be transformative, I think, for somebody who might be you know the uh even still at the moment like unofficial eco lead in the school and the one who's really kind of keen to make stuff happen but finding it really difficult to have somebody come and scoop you up and to say it's okay we're here that's amazing I think somebody to say I currently don't know the answers yet either the, the answers are still being discovered for lots yeah. of these solutions you know with the heat pumps in schools so you know that there's more questions than answers there at the moment but it's saying I don't necessarily have the answers my team of six might do if not the wider team of let's yeah. go zero do we're all part of Ashton which is an international climate solutions charity so you, they've got you know incredible incredible people that are mm. working you know globally on some really incredible things so it's just being you know, the front line of that incredible army behind me. That's not the right analogy, but that incredible team yes. behind me. And we're really like you said, I think that we don't need any more resources. We've got, as we've already said, like so many brilliant organizations with so many fabulous resources. We don't need any more resources. What we need is that one-to-one, yeah. you know, fast tracking to the right one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all about the co-benefits as well. So there's a there's a lot of crisis fatigue in schools. Mm. Schools were already maybe funds have never been plentiful in schools then you have the pandemic and overnight people are working out how to run the core business of educating online and then all of the sort of emotional fallout from that the the amount of sort of crises that are put on schools door of oh you know you need to be supporting children to understand misogyny in the wider world you know all of these different things and then the rack crisis now your buildings are tumbling down and you need to be able to sort that out so for us, we don't go into schools and say, now you need to tackle the climate crisis. It's about finding out what fires are already fighting, how we can already support them. If it's budgets that are tight, which it often is, it's finding out those kind of routes to funding or those competitions you can enter and the prize yeah. funds you can tap in. If it's emotional health that's the the issue, which it is for so many schools, it's it's making clear those connections that getting your fingernails in soil growing things is an incredible emotional health benefit and for your Mm -hmm. pupils with special educational needs there are real sort of tangible outcomes that are nothing to do with the climate but they're to do with just that that improvement in mental health and well-being even things like staff retention which is a really tricky issue in in schools it's about having those things that as a staff member you can feel proud of and you can achieve on there might be lots that you're struggling to achieve on but if you've been able to run an eco club or start a gardening club or run a switch off campaign it's that sort of that sense of I am making a difference I've got Mm. some autonomy here and I can I can show my competency here and you know it's all about that connectedness that that co-benefits piece I think is so important and I don't think we've we've historically been very good and even maybe currently being good enough at it in the in the climate space and the narrative is you know they are the greenies are coming for your cars your flights you know and 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 we're not got good enough at saying like oh you're in you're worried about mental health amazing climate action can help with mental health or you're worried about uh costs and finance amazing we can help you save some money that we haven't been I think good enough at doing that and I think as you said, schools are under so many pressures. And so I've been trying to sort of, um, 
I don't know, maybe gently encourages is uh, maybe I've been a little bit more forthright than that. But like my my kids secondary school to do stuff. And basically the headmaster just emailed me and went, my priority is keeping the school open at the moment and, you know, employing 350 people. And I agree with Rishi that we need to take a more pragmatic approach and things. And and part of me is like, oh, like completely crushed. And like, do you not understand how important this is? And the other part of me is like, yeah, I get it. But that's on me, I guess, for not having been good enough at articulating, you know, all the other reasons why this is so useful. Yeah, well, you've got a big mountain to climb. There are very clever, smart people articulating the opposing view for us. Mm. And there's lots and lots of quieter, smaller voices that just have to keep on sort of hammering away at, no, this is, it's that little cartoon, isn't it? Imagine if all of this climate science is wrong and we accidentally make a fairer society. It's just that, isn't it? Why wouldn't you want cleaner air? Why wouldn't you want to encourage children to walk to school? Why wouldn't you want to increase the amount of vegetables in, Mm. in your diet? I think with schools and leadership in particular, we're not just selling climate solutions to them, we're selling how they can then sell it on to their community. So it has to be something that their whole community will embrace. Um, yeah, and I can kind of it. see why there might be a reticence if the school, so for example, like my kids' school, that a new solar array went up over the summer, which is amazing. They've not communicated that at all um, to the parent body. And I don't know if that's just because they'll get parents going, why have you just spent all that money on on that when we need this 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 and this and obviously the bigger picture is these solar panels will be saving will be saving the money but i wonder if there's a a reluctance almost to be seen to be spending money on stuff that other people might not prioritize it's possible isn't it it's yeah i mean i'm always one for celebrating what yes. we do and then, <laughs> and then having those conversations if it does have a you know if it if it's challenging to some people it then gives you the opportunity to talk about it but but yeah I mean I'm really lucky in that I've worked with schools who were eager and keen to celebrate mm. and now I'm in a position where schools tend to come to us if they're ready and eager and keen to celebrate so at the moment we're not having to spend any time kind of convincing schools who are reluctant they're they're dead keen they like you say they're they're so excited that there's somebody here to actually sit beside them and and talk them through it and give them suggestions and remind them two weeks later because they were too busy and they got that email it's just I'm still here I can still help and people are just genuinely so grateful for that really which yeah so from the um department for education there was a a new sustainability strategy that came out was it like April 21 or something um and I think there was you know there's always the oh it's it's not enough and of course it's never going to be enough but there was I felt like some progress in that they were saying that every setting had to have a sustainability lead and there was talk of carbon literacy training. My, you know, and I don't follow this massively closely, but my understanding is quite a bit of that has been rowed back. Um, where where are we at now in terms of, you know, a school's uh, obligations or the DfE's expectations of schools in terms of sustainability? So let's go zero. I'm so proud that a lot of what you've just mentioned was due to us feeding back what the schools had asked, feeding that into the DfE. So the requirement for all schools to have, or the expectation for all schools to have a sustainability lead by 2025 and an action plan in place by 2025 came via let's go zero kind of petitioning for that, because we know unless it's sort of a structural part of schools, it just won't happen. It just happens. Because I think originally that was supposed to be September 23, wasn't it? And then they've extended that now to... Yes, 21. There's so much in that strategy to be excited about and you don't often get excited about DfE mm. strategies so the national education park blew me away when I saw that on paper that you're going to actually uh, 
designate school estates as an, a national nature park. That's amazing. And that's okay, happening. Um, that's- right, we'll come back to the National Education Park because okay. I want to ask you about that. So the, on the sustainability lead, is that a sustainability lead? So I think you said, did you say September 25? Yes. And is that per setting or per trust or how is that? That's done? per setting, but it's not mandated. It's a recommendation. Right. So that's where the work still needs to be done. It's um, it's a strong recommendation. And Let's Go Zero continue to work in partnership with the DfE and to feedback on on, on what that means for us and how we need to do that as schools and, and what Because I guess the difficulty is, have. I have quite, you know, there's a few teachers in my um, like clubhouse community and they're, they're the ones who are leading the eco team and, and who, you know, would be a natural fit for the sustainability lead and the eco lead. However, I think there's just a concern that people will just be given that title and the expectations of the additional work that comes with that with no time off teaching with no additional resources with no you know pay uh, increase or anything like that and you know it's, it's quite potentially easy for the DfE to say every school should have a sustainability lead it's much harder to find the budget or the time for people to be able to yeah. do that is that something that you're coming across yeah and uh, it's something that drives drives our sort of daily work as climate action advisors because we need to be able to fill that gap of being mm. the time and the expertise that they don't have for they don't have the time for so yeah it, the, the more we can do to advertise what we do and get people using what we do that the easier that will become and like you say a lot of people are either accidentally volunteering to be this role already or you know being, being volunteered for being volunteered for. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> And again, that's a job for us to be making sure that we can support and articulate the, the co-benefits for staff for that. Mm. You know, you often, all, majority of schools have a sort of a performance management cycle, which can seem quite dry. But if you're able to choose a, a target that you genuinely think is useful, even if that is emotional benefits to pupils rather than climate action that leads mm. to emotional benefits, it's kind of it's choosing something that you think you can be impactful on and then leading on it. And you know, from my experience of working with teachers, even early careers teachers who are, you know, overwhelmed amount with amount of sort of information they need to take in to do their job are still desperate to do things like this because yes. they're the things they got into teaching for, yeah. making a difference to pupils. You don't get into teaching to fill the spreadsheets in or <laughs> Take all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, most people, the opposite end of the scale, people like myself who've maybe been in an education a long time and was already perhaps a little jaded by it. It's something that reinvigorated me. And, and I thought, well, I, yeah, I can make a difference here. I can lead on this. So we're not coming across reluctance to it yet, but um, I think that's partly because it's not mandated. Mm. There's all sorts of things. Ofsted don't inspect your school's sustainability work. Um, and I'm not suggesting for a minute they do because there's already enough inspecting going on but it, it's not a criteria that schools have to respond to again we do lots of work to show that the personal development criteria in the Ofsted inspection handbook can be answered by doing this sustainability work and we're able to link that with schools so if Ofsted is their priority we can show how this work yeah creates pupils with outstanding personal development and improved behavior and attitudes and and all of those things yeah yeah and you mentioned the National Education Park. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're just visually, it's a really wonderful thing. So if you hop on their website, you can see these little green 
pockets of land lighting up when a school has gone on and they've measured out the the perimeter of of the the land that they call theirs mm. and they've marked it on this site and just that action alone I think is so powerful because things like nature corridors you can see yes I've got this few square meters of green but so does that school over there yes. you know it's not so far that wildlife can't be using that as a corridor even simple things like that and then on the whole zooming back out and looking at the the map and thinking wow that's a huge amount of nature that we have you know at our disposal and and the advice that then is being given to schools as once they've um signed up is where it gets really fascinating because it's about how you identify what's already out there yes. in your natural habitat how you support what's there how you increase what's there how you kind of track what's there actually making you know little citizen scientists of our... I was going to say so much of that can be linked back into the curriculum can't it because I um there's this lovely expression of like a bio blitz isn't there where like you basically go out with your what are they called quadrants or whatever <laughs> and, you, and you're then identifying you know even if it's like different species of like clover and grass and and any insects that you find and that contributes to a, a national citizen science thing and then you can repeat that in a year after you've done some things and and you said a little minute ago about speaking to a school who wanted to start with nature and, and I think maybe especially for the younger children but it's such a great place to start because that whole idea of like we only protect what we love and so we really need to get ourselves and our children reconnected with nature and excited about it and it's not just about the polar bears and the the you know the big mammals in far off lands it's about the creepy crawlies and all these really important bugs in our in our literally in our backyards and in our school fields isn't it and all of those other strands relate to nature so if you're talking about water then you're looking about the water in your soil and the rainfall yes. on your soil if you're talking about food you're looking about where food comes from if you're talking about energy you're looking at how energy is you know trapped yes. by these incredible plants that then one day going to become fossil fuels or fossils hopefully not fuels for us yes. so it's a really excellent way of, of weaving it into the curriculum I've worked and, with and almost like team. a nice little sneaky in if you have got a senior leadership food team who are like not particularly who are worried about the costs or that sort of thing. This is, I think, a, a very, I don't think there are many people if you said, do we want more nature would go, nah. Like, um, you know, so you're not using the, the, the C word, the climate word that might sort of cause people to get a bit defensive or feel like somebody's going to come along and take something off them. This is something that's to get the students and the staff excited about more of, which is amazing. Absolutely. I worked with an amazing school who won some funding to create an eco garden and they wanted it to be an outdoor learning area. So the um, the rocks in their sort of rockery needed to have some representation to do with the rock cycle and the water and the pond that flowed, flowed from it needed to be useful when teaching the water cycle. And all of those kind of huge concepts that are quite tricky to yes. explain to the nine-year-olds are something that they can now go and clamber about on these rocks and kind of talk about erosion and transportation of sediment and all those things that could just be a diagram. But now they're, they're actual tangible, That's visceral so learning. Yeah. <laughs> and I think with the um, the idea of creating that as a the, the school fields and things as a, as a nature reserve, because I think there's a statistic that says something like the area of... Uh, privately owned gardens in the UK is greater than all of the nature reserves um so I would imagine if you add up all of the school fields and even the playgrounds I'm sure there's stuff you can do with them there's probably a massive acreage yeah 
And they are probably monocultures as far yes, as the grass, yeah. In that they are just playing fields and that you have to navigate carefully because if you're trying to suggest to the, you know, lunchtime football team that you yes. need to rewild part of their pitch, it's not going to work. But it's, yeah, it's about seeing what you've got and then working out how you can improve it, which makes it such an exciting project, I think. Really exciting. So um, DFE is saying every school needs to have a, um, or, or should have, the advice yep. is to have a sustainability lead by September twenty. Um, five there's the so this national education park again is that just a here it is we're going to help support the creation of this rather than a you must do this yeah absolutely so it was it was that sort of inspiration that then has led to you know perspiration of actually people putting it together and and getting the job out there and rolled out and then there's um, Energy Sparks was also linked in the, the DFE strategy and they've been doing incredible work, really kind of paving the way for how schools can actually monitor the energy that they're using. So I think the, the strategy acted as a um, a catalyst for then some other really great people to, to get involved and start making some things happen. Um, yeah, so as with all, as with all, I mean, even if it was mandated, it would still be incredibly hard to carry out but yeah. as with all things it it's a suggestion that you know so many people do seem to be responding really positively to and so you've got a team of um climate action advisors you said there's there's six of you at the moment and you're covering did you say east and west midlands east and west midlands and then after christmas it's the south southeast and southwest will come on board and then by the end of the summer term we'll have the north northwest anglia teams all in place and do you literally go and visit schools or is a little bit done online? So lots of it done online, A, because schools are busy and B, because we don't really want to be kind of using yes. up our precious carbon getting to them. And if it doesn't need to be done face to face, but face to face is so, so important anyway. Mm. We offer things like um, an energy audit, which has to be done in place so we can, we can come to people's schools and actually um, have that sort of guided tour of looking at everything with fresh eyes and it's often the site manager will be able to point out the things that they already know are challenging with their particular ventilation or their windows or their lighting um, but it you know we have a checklist to keep ourselves focused as to as to what we can then do about it and then that I think having somebody external to do that can be so useful because you know if you're the the um, eco lead in the school by design or accident and you may have been trying to speak to the site manager and find out all the information about the electricity. And, and you know, unfortunately, you're just not a priority for them. But the, the minute it's somebody external coming in, maybe it, it it it's somehow easier for them to make the time to to meet that external person. I think so. And I hope so. And then it's framing it as in this. This is how we're going to help your energy costs, because that's the the priority mm. for lots of estate managers that's what they've been tasked to do so you know that's something we can offer um this was before my time at let's go zero but one of my colleagues told me about it the other day they 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 looked very closely at the energy data of two um connected primary schools i think no secondary schools two connected secondary schools in a similar area same size and one's energy bill was vastly different to the other so they did a bit of investigating and i think audits were undertaken and it was discovered that the lunch queue for one of the secondaries took the kids past the elevators and they were just leaning on the lift button and the lift was going up and down, up and down all the way through lunch. No. And it was as simple as that. And thousands and thousands of pounds was saved. <laughs> I know. And it's things like that, that, you know, that's a bit of a 
finding that nugget of gold, isn't it? I, the, they're not all going to be quite that obvious. Some it's just, well, your roof is leaking and your, mm. your building is not thermally secure. But for those little wins where you can spot stuff like that, then, yeah. I think you... um, Paula might have shared a similar, well, kind of similar with uh, talking about energy sparks in that there was a school that had a really discovered through using, so energy sparks, for people who haven't heard that episode, um, has a sort of uh, a platform and an interface where schools can literally almost sort of live monitor their energy consumption, can't they? And get the kids involved with it and all those sorts of things. And and they had a school who identified that they had a very high base load over the holidays when you would expect everything to be switched off. And they tra- tracked it back to like a, a knackered ancient old freezer that was, um, you know, kept on over the holidays that was just really inefficient and, and drawing. And they replaced that and like, boom, saved hundreds yeah. of pounds off their energy bill. So it can be so yeah. useful doing this stuff, can't it? Yeah. And the surprising amount you can save just by having a little squad of eco warriors who are turning teachers' lights off when, yeah. <laughs> when the team is too bright in the classroom. Those things do make a huge difference. So there's things like... Um, the pod switch off fortnights, which I don't know if you've come across in your in your podcast, but they do a, a fortnight where your your eco team is encouraged to input your gas and electricity data from the meters so they go off to the meter cupboard with the site manager and find out the readings. You then take those little actions of turning the lights off in the corridors or, you know, making sure when you go out to break that um, yeah. doors are shut after you, all of those simple wins. And then you go back and input your meter readings at the end and you have a we saved this and you can toggle it to show you that you've saved this amount of money as well as this amount of of carbon so what a great idea. yeah those little you know they're because often they feel different. like eye-rolling inconsequential oh really like you're just being nagged at the whole time and if you're suddenly like look guys look what we did yeah, yeah. but the nag becomes culture doesn't it yes and then, you know, it's, it's now the things you do things like having the uniform swap shops are such easy wins as well because you're encouraging your children to respect their uniform for starters, so they're not chewing at the sleeves or. Yes. I did. Why did you know, when... do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we feed them sufficiently, but <laughs> when they've grown out of it, it gets to be returned to school, packaged yeah. up beautifully, and kind of uh, gifted to somebody else who needs it. And that then becomes just that's what we do with uniform at our school. Mm. There's no stigma attached to it. There's no. Um, there's no questioning it. It's just it's just what we do and parents evening the rails come out and parents have a good old browse and, and take what they need and cost of living crisis is then sort of responded to because uniforms are not cheap and mm-hmm. they're also really hard to to dispose of because they're often mixed um mixed fiber and yeah. you're branded exactly so charity shops don't always want them so they seem like in, inconsequential things but they do have a carbon tag on them and you can calculate your carbon tag if you're geeky enough to and and kind of estimate that you know this amount of uniform yeah. that's not being wasted is is this amount of of our emissions that we should but as be you with. said it all adds up to that um culture shift doesn't it and that um when I do carbon literacy training I talk about the the sort of um societal tipping points and and trying to shift the social norms and if the the social norm as you say becomes this is what we do with uniform this is what we do when we leave the classroom this is what we then um that's that's so much more or many times more than simply the amount of carbon that you've saved by doing that activity hugely well at the school I worked at when I started as a sustainability leader across the whole trust of schools I said to them you know this is the job I've been given we've got to make sure we're really doing it well here so I can talk to the others about it and I suggested to to them that we have vegan Thursdays so a lunch in a staff room you bring vegan food and they all did it bless them because they you know they they took it on board that that's that we needed to be a really great great school for that sort of thing but it 
it just took off and it's just something they do even though I've left now because the sort of bonding element of they started doing it as like a come dine with me so rather than yes. your individual pot in they'd somebody would make a you know delicious curry one week and somebody would make you know couscous and something else next week and and it's just the habits they have and then so many of them fed back to me oh we do this at home now on a Thursday we do it all day on a Thursday or you know my son's told me not to buy that at the supermarket now and yeah it just it it little ripples become sea changes of of opinion after yeah. a while so I guess maybe the question people might be asking is thinking well this all sounds amazing but how much does it cost we've already said budgets are stretched so if a school are like oh we really need some help and they come to you um is there a cost nope it's what? absolutely free <laughs> it's absolutely free um yep yeah, it's free we've we've got some incredible funding that's um that's supporting us um real philanthropic source of funding which is just wonderful um for at least three years and we fully expect it to be well well beyond that um so it's absolutely free to schools and we also there are some things that we will suggest to schools that might cost money but if that's the case we will we will explain why we will say we're asking you maybe to um pay this amount of money to to be part of energy sparks but it will save you this amount of money and that's been proven across these these groups or um, we can offer you an energy audit for free this company will offer you one for x amount but you will get this much more rigor for it and then also if you know we are asking them to 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 come up with a couple of hundred pounds it's saying this is a competition you should enter because you can win 500 pounds off the back of this one so it's that balancing at all times so yeah we're hoping that as a result of us people will save money and you know we'll 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 have bigger pots to spend in areas that need to be spent on there are loads that you're you're also able to point schools in the direction of pots of funding for retrofitting or solar panels or you know those bigger expenditures so we've got sort of at our fingertips um suggestions for the sort of prize funds that so many amazing charities are doing young people's trust for the environment they do a a yearly prize that primary schools can enter the um um Oh, goodness me, it's gone from my brain now. But yeah, there's the OVO Foundation Prize that's tapping in. That's deadline closing soon. I'm not sure when the podcast goes out, but that's a yearly thing as well. So there's those things that you can tap into immediately, either by celebrating something you've already done or by saying what you would do if you had the money. And then part of the wider Let's Go Zero expansion at the moment is in including the innovative finance fund group and that's a longer term project and it's about unlocking that seriously big money that is available either through government decarbonization um grants which are historically been very difficult for schools to access or through private funding and it's about making sure that there's a real clarity of how that private funding can get to schools for those big serious retrofits so that's not one of the the teams that I'm on but it's a team that's kind of running parallel to what we do so um as we move forward across the year by the time we've got all of our action advisors out in the world we'll also have this sort of parallel project where we'll be able to it's never going to be easy because it's talking about serious amounts of money and serious amounts of, of change to infrastructure of some buildings but it it will hopefully made it a lot easier than it is now. So yeah, I think um, that 
decarbonisation piece, I guess, of the the heating and things for, especially if you think about a big secondary school or something, and they've got the the well, I think even even primary schools, you know, you'll have like a building and then it's been added onto and added onto, and it's got an uh, you know another building over here, and it's not just one heating system, is it? It tends to be loads of different heating systems, and therefore x times more complicated. Yeah, hugely. There's things like the um. Well, another thing that was mentioned in the DFE strategy was the energy pods, which I don't know a huge amount about, but they seem to be a, a direction that was really worth watching because it's about sort of a shipping container sized chunk of gizmo that that goes on the sites and somehow speaks to the existing um, boilers and heating systems and uh, on site and somehow allows a gradual transference away from the bad stuff to the good stuff so I'm in nowhere near technical enough to understand quite how that worked yet but the people I've spoke to about it are are, are super excited so hopefully that's something that's that's going to be spoken about more or similar projects because yeah complete sort of gas boilers out heat pumps in is is a long Mm. way off for most schools um and before we sort of want to ask you about the rollout of the climate action advisors but um, you said right at the beginning, and I should have asked you right at the beginning. Um, <laughs> the Let's Go Zero is all about helping schools to be. I can't remember the phrase. You you don't talk about net zero, do you? you talk about carbon zero, or what's the? Phrase yeah, we talk about. Um, well, it's Let's Go Zero, carbon zero by twenty thirty. And what do um, you guys mean by that? Because, um, like, there's you know, even net zero has so many different interpretations yeah. and things. And and are you talking about? Um, schools having uh, no carbon emissions from their um, on-site kind of heating and uh, lighting and that sort of thing, or because by 2030 for everything seems super ambitious. Oh, yes, it is super ambitious. And it's, <laughs> it's a destination. Um, it's Sorry, it's a journey rather than a destination. Yeah. So we've looked a lot in our team about the, the, the definition and the clarification mm. of the terms we're using. And it, and ultimately, we just want, you know, to undo all the damage that past generations have done and make it better for future generations. So kind of almost you run out of language to articulate that yeah. at some point. It's really just reducing reducing the impact that we're having and reducing the emissions that we're making. So the um, the Keeper and Tidy Eco, um, Eco Schools Carbon Calculator, that's just amazing because that's going to give a start figure and an end figure you know so is that available now or is that still in it's the so so nearly available now I know they're um they're hoping that come January it will be fully ab- available to everybody but I think it's still in a few sort of trial pockets at the moment and but that's that going to be available to, be... to schools that are signed up to the eco schools um no project completely free stands alone so wow. get great keep Britain tidy other sort of parents yeah agree that eco schools are part of but it's it sits apart for that so yeah you don't have to be any one of the eco schools um it's completely free again so that's something that our climate action advisors have got some training on so that we can actually sit with schools if necessary that's the thing i think if you said to um most eco leads at a school who as you said started off organizing the eco club and then have sort of suddenly found themselves in this role that they maybe don't feel qualified to by the way can you measure the carbon footprint of the school yeah. they go no but no. if they can go to a, a page on the eco schools website and there's literally a list of the information that they need that they can input in and then it does the maths for them and and yeah. there we go and they've been so smart about it so they appreciate all of that so for every question 
you have an option I don't know choose an average okay, and they've yeah, already yeah, yeah. in the back end put what's a, the average for a primary of all these different oh, sizes would be a secondary and then obviously the more users it gets the, the mm. more system is and then when you come back a year later to test again you might have that figure for yourself yes. or you might still want to be choosing that action so back to your question about zero this calculator theoretically could show somebody do squillion now and zero at one point yeah. in the future it's just a case of moving towards that zero yes. and the quicker we can do it the better so, so we as a don't want schools to <laughs> we don't want schools to not sign up because they're thinking well there's absolutely not a chance we could be zero carbon by 2030 um it's You're more about right. the intention to make some reductions that's what we're yeah. asking and it's been that policy ask sort along this really bold brassy statement that's saying well we schools want this schools mm-hmm. know it's nigh on impossible but schools want this help us make it happen and that's how we can kind of you know call upwards and knock on the doors of the powers that be to to point out that this demand is here um so yeah yeah, de- definitely don't be off put by it, even if it's just a case of, you know, a year later, you've managed to save yourself a fraction of the, the budget you spend on energy, or you've managed to improve biodiversity to the extent where you now have, you know, two types of <laughs> yes, two types of <laughs> grass, grass and something else. <laughs> <laughs> All of that is going in the right direction. And the the kind of snowball effect of you, you yes. make one decision and before you know it, you're, that's your that's your drive that's moving you forward as a school. So yeah, but please don't, if anyone's listening out there and they think that's an ambitious title it is but it's you know it's it's the direction we all need to be going in so the climate action advisors um are you already recruiting because i know there'll be people listening who not only want to get in touch with climate action advisors for their school so we'll talk about how they can do that but i think they're probably also i know so many people in my community who are looking to transition out of teaching or out of other jobs and would adore this like this role like have you already recruited for those additional roles are you looking to recruit what sort of skills are you looking for so we have got one more post um in Birmingham so that's I think being advertised right this second so definitely hop on to let's go zero website or onto their LinkedIn or onto their Twitter and yeah I'll link to that in that show notes for people yeah wonderful and um after well in order for them to be online after christmas we're beginning the recruitment for um climate action advisors in the southern parts of the country southeast southwest and then again so i think there's 11 12 maybe that are coming in those areas and then a similar amount in the north and northwest areas so yeah watch out for those um recruitment posts and we are looking for people with a huge range of of backgrounds and knowledge because that's what's making us strong so I've got a really a a real primary school background and I know exactly how to affect change in primary school settings we have other members of the team who've got that secondary experience we've got team members who've worked in county council climate change we've got team members who've worked on the sort of parent committees getting Mm. real parent involvement so vital so it's one of those so you don't necessarily need to have a teaching background um but yeah. No, not at all. No, it's, it's that having that mix um, of, you know, retrofit expertise where you maybe never set foot in a school in your life, but yes. you've got that experience of, of, of bringing that to the team. So, yeah, the, the, di- the more diverse the experience, the better. Yeah. So coming on to 
if people are listening and they're either working within a school or they're one of these 45% of households in the UK that have kids in school that are keen to see, and they might be keen to see their school do more or, or to, to help their school do more, where can we, how do we access the climate action advisors? That's very much the wrong term. That's perfect term. We can be accessed by her. There's an expression of interest form on the Let's Go Zero website. Um, so head to letsgozero.org and there are some tabs that say our projects and under that is Climate Action Advisors. Um, I can also, Jen, give you the link that takes people straight to that form. Um, you don't need sort of leadership approval if you're a teaching assistant or a site manager and you just want support, you can um, contact us through that. Um, the other thing to do is to sign up to Let's Go Zero, because although we're part of the same thing, they're two slightly different sign-ups. To sign up to Let's Go Zero, you do need school leadership um, backing. Right. So whether that's just approval from your head, if you're not the head, or ask your head to sign on. And that's just because we want to keep that clear that that is a policy ask of leadership mm. that are leading whole school communities in this kind of in this direction um, but those are two really powerful things to do so one sign up to express your interest in the climate action advisors if you're in the east and west midlands you'll get a response from one of the team within a week saying right we're here let's get in touch how can we start if you're in one of the other regions you'll get a response within the week saying excellent so glad you're on board your advisor will be in your area at this date yeah. but for now what can we do so you'll still have that kind of is there anything we can help yeah. you with now because you know if people are asking for help we want to be able to give it um so yeah that, those are two things you can do off the back of listening to this and there's also um let's go zero do a, a great uh, sort of regular webinar don't you um so that i think the last one was around nature and biodiversity wasn't it and those the replays of those are all linked to on the website and they're a brilliant resource just for people they to really well, are because they? they have a really good we have a really good setup set whereby you hear from an expert in the field so you might hear from energy sparks or the national uh, the nature education park and then you hear from a school who's implemented and that's so important things. isn't it because it's really easy to sit there and be told all these things you ought to be doing and to think yeah but i can't do that because of this 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 and this and then to see a school that's done it and you're like Oh, oh, okay. No, it can be done. And, and, and <laughs> one half you're like, oh, that's amazing. And the other half you say, crap, no, we're going to have to do it now. <laughs> Definitely that. Yeah. The webinars are brilliant for that. There's also case studies. There's a whole mm. page full of case studies, which just give you the headlines of what each school has done. Um, you get a newsletter regular enough to keep you informed and not so regular that you end up putting it straight in your trash yeah. uh, bin yeah. if you're ahead. Um, but that often gives you the sort of deadlines for an upcoming competition or or so all of that stuff can be accessed by just becoming one of the Let's Go Zero um, schools just by signing up, signing your name on the dotted line. But yeah, the Climate Action Advisors, you just you complete that extra little form and it takes you straight to us. It's, are you excited, Joe? I'm excited. <laughs> I feel like I manifested this job. I was in teaching thinking, you know, if only where there was a job where I could waltz between schools advising them on their sustainability. And here it is right in front of me and I'm in it. And it's so. so funny. So many people have, well, not so many, but you know, a handful of people have said to, that to me, like in my community who are teaching and stuff like, what I would really love to do is to be able to go around schools and the same in the veterinary space. So people, you know, what I'd really love to do is be able to go around practices and advising them and stuff. And then, as you say, this this opportunity is is now here and happening. I think you do have to envisage these things. You have to envis envisage the future you want, not just for yourself, but for, for the general direction we all need to be going in. You've got to see see what it is that you can make a difference 
doing. That sounds very trite, doesn't it? But it is. It's looking for those opportunities. If you know the, the mistakes to make in a school because you've made them, then you yes. get out there and share them. Or if you know the mistakes you've made in in pharmacy or wherever it is mm. that current expertise lies, then, yeah, look for a way to, to help others. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say, like, you know, top tips for people to start, but I feel like, you know, let's sign up to the Let's Go uh, Zero website. Let's um, um, sign up to the Climate Action Advisors. Um, if people are still like, oh, I don't think I can get senior leadership to sign off on this or for whatever reason, um, is is there an area or some easy wins for people to get started with straight away? Yeah, it's very much like the um, if the genie in the lamp grants you three wishes, your first yes. wish needs to be kind of forever wishes. So definitely um, get in touch with the Climate Action Advisors because then all of your wishes after that will come true. Yeah. That's <laughs> a good tagline. I overstated that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the quick wins um, are looking for those kind of those funding opportunities that are coming your way. So keep an eye on the Young People's Trust for Environment website for when their deadline for their competition is, the OVO Foundation Nature Prize, the deadline for that's coming up soon. Um, those are the Nature for Learning grants. They come around in regular cycles. Those are ways which you can tap into some money or some resources and you can start using them straight away to improve a small a small thing. And the sort of the serotonin boost you get from winning a prize yeah. for something that you've already done or something you plan to do is a real boost. I think that's and, a real... and senior leadership would love that because who doesn't love their school being like showcased as being amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Money and showcasing yeah. being amazing. Those are two things we're after in schools. <laughs> So yeah, definitely get on board with those and you know keep using the using the kind of social media networks that you're comfortable being on is really vital because then you start coming across these various little initiatives that you can you can sign up for and and keep an eye out for. Um, but yeah, it, it really depends on the setting as to what advice specifically mm. for the thing that they can do. But uniform exchanges, if you haven't started one of those, that's a definite great place to start. Um, the switch off campaign that I mentioned, the switch off fortnight, that's a really lovely sort of dip in, dip out activity that you can do. Yeah, and finding people within the school who who are your ally. So you might be the, the sole person at the moment, but you might have a science lead who actually would quite mm. like to see some um, work being done on that area or your maths lead. Maybe they already have to teach a um a section on data analysis but mm. if you've got data analysis of your energy then how much more alive yeah. does that bring it yeah. so finding those allies amongst people you already work with is really important I think because otherwise it can just feel like this really difficult lonely journey can't it and I guess that's another area like we said right at the top where the um, climate action advisors come in is is that that hand-holding and and I don't know do you do any kind of like linking people up with like oh you maybe you should cook up with this people in this school that's not too far away from you because they're doing some good stuff too is there an element of that yeah absolutely that so we've done quite a bit of work with um the local authorities and some of the bigger multi-academy trusts so they might have one or two really engaged schools and it's Mm. about amplifying that work and saying somebody on your doorstep is already installed soda or somebody on your doorstep is already accessing this grant for something look how easy it is so yeah we definitely link people wherever possible in those ways 
Yeah, amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. I'm like I just said, I, I'm I'm so excited by this, and I'm not even like in this space. I just think there's so much potential for schools, um, and already so many um brilliant resources out there. And to to have this is exactly what's needed is not not yet more resources uh, and overwhelm, but some people to come and to help people to access those amazing resources and to join the dots. Yeah, and to take those. Um, you know, we talk about an intention to action gap, don't we? And and there's a lot of overwhelm in that in that middle space. And to help people to, to start that journey from those intentions towards those actions is is enormously powerful. So, um, it's huge thank privilege. you to um to you and the team and to whoever's the genius behind Let's Go Zero and the the fund the people funding it. Um, yeah, very much needed. And um, huge huge thank you to you all. Oh, thank you, thank you for giving me the chance to talk about it. I've enjoyed it. So there we go. Wasn't Joe brilliant? What do you think? Isn't that a fabulous project? Would you love a climate action advisor for your or your child's school? I think that this is such a great idea and is plugging a really important gap. And hopefully as the project rolls out across the country, more and more schools will find the support that they need to really start to make some progress on their climate action plans. So please do get in touch and let me know if you're going to contact your local school to flag this to them. Or indeed, if you're thinking about applying for one of the roles, that would be super exciting. Right then. On with this week's good news. And I have to say, I feel a little bit spoilt for choice this week, which is amazing. First up from The Guardian, news that the European Union has become the first international body to criminalise wide-scale environmental damage comparable to ecocide. So this week, European lawmakers agreed an update to the bloc's environmental crime directive punishing the most serious cases of ecosystem destruction, including habitat loss and illegal logging with tougher penalties. Maria Toussaint, and apologies for my pronunciation, a French lawyer and MEP heading EU efforts to criminalise ecocide, said the decision marks the end of impunity for environmental criminals and could usher in a new age of environmental litigation in Europe. Closer to home in the UK, tax on period pants has been abolished in the Chancellor's autumn statement. On Wednesday, the Chancellor announced that period pants will be zero rated and no longer subject to VAT from January. Other period products such as pads and tampons have been exempt since 2021 and this announcement brings period pants in line with other sanitary items. Now it's not often that environmentalists have much to cheer about off the back of Chancellor's statements but this announcement is incredibly welcome and is the result of tireless campaigning by a committed band of women and... I'm assuming, but I do think it was pretty much all women in this campaign. And a huge shout out to Ruby at Waka and to Ella Daesh, both of whom have been instrumental in bringing this change about. And even closer to home, my actually from my email inbox just this very morning, in response to my Not Another Black Friday email, Elspeth got in touch to say... She says, the eco church group I lead here in Hampshire runs a toy bonanza three times a year. And at this time of year, it is aimed at Christmas gifting. We ask for donations of toys, books, puzzles and games suitable for giving. And they are taken away for free at an event tomorrow. 
She says, we have been inundated with donations, which is wonderful. Anything not taken is given to charity shops and books go to school libraries. The aim is to save stuff going to landfill and to help people still faced with the cost of living crisis. I cannot tell you how much I adore this, Elspeth, and I hope that by sharing it here, it might spark some ideas for other people too. That's all from me for this week. Thank you again so much for joining me. The Let's See If We Can Double Listeners campaign is, as always, ongoing and, it has to be said, making (laughs) slow progress. If you enjoy the podcast, please, please do share it with friends and family and please do leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts to let those pesky algorithms know that this really is something worth listening to. Have a great week and I will catch you next time. Take care.